This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to today's edition of the Rush Limbaugh Show podcast. Look, I don't know about you guys. That was the biggest dud of a storm I have ever. I mean, I'm not I'm not kidding here, and I'm not even going to go into the political nature of what I think happened here. It was the biggest dud of a storm I have ever seen. Now, I know it's not a dud now. Do not misunderstand me. But they had all of us here in South Florida thinking, like they always do, that we were on the, we're on the verge of a catastrophic disaster. So we made the preparations. We got ready for a catastrophe. By the way, greetings. Great to have you here, Rush Limbaugh and the EIB Network, starting our 33rd year. You realize 33rd year and 30 of those years have been spent as the most listened to radio talk show in the country. Can you stop and think as I brag here for just a second? Because Babe Ruth said it. It ain't bragging if you can do it. It might have been Mark Twain who said it. It might have been Winston Churchill. Hell, it might have been I. It was Babe Ruth. All right. It ain't bragging if you can do it. Do you know of any product or service that's been number one for 30 years? Don't say iPhone. It's only been around since 2007. Don't say Coca-Cola because they've been up and down. Sometimes Pepsi has edged them out. Sometimes it hasn't. Although Coca-Cola, I think maybe it has been. I don't think it's ever been eclipsed as the number one selling cola. They might have screwed themselves when they went Coke Classic back there in the 80s, listening to Larry King tell them how to run the company. Uh, But, well, yeah. At any rate, it's exciting. And I thank you. We all thank you from the the bottom of our hearts here. For for, You all are the ones that have uh, made it it possible. Anyway, I can't can't describe to you how big a miss this was. We're watching this storm come up from, uh, well, the Dominican, and it comes up through the Bahamas. And I'm looking the whole time, and don't worry, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because there's a lot of stuff to get to. The whole time, I'm not seeing any rain. I'm looking at the radar. I'm not seeing any rain where they say the center of the circulation is. And I figure, well, we're not seeing any rain because we don't have the weather apps that we have do not have permission to run foreign country radar. So I said, I'll just wait. 
Well, I waited and waited and went to bed Saturday night fully expecting to wake up Sunday morning to all kinds of mayhem, going the, the kind of noise you get with a Category 1 hurricane, which is a lot of noise. It can sound like a 747 at full rev on a tarmac, even a Cat 1. I get up and nothing. I look at the radar, nothing. The radar is all the way out. It's, it's, it's 50 miles away from the closest range, 50 miles to the west of us. I'm so what the hell? It doesn't, and, and it, literally, folks, we didn't get a drop of rain where we are. We didn't get any above average winds at all. And yet, all day yesterday and even Saturday night leading into it, we kept hearing the catastrophe was on the verge of happening. And I'm, did these people miss where the center of circulation is? Because, I mean, literally, folks, there was no rain associated with this storm where they told us it was. It was all way west. Now that the storm is near nearing the Carolinas uh, and, and Georgia, now the circulation and rain are meeting up, at least on radar and so forth. But, I mean, this was, A, the winds were never, you know, the strongest winds were 45 miles an hour. There wasn't any 69 or 70 mile an hour winds in this thing. Maybe they were at altitude, but they weren't on the surface. I looked, I measured, I went to every app I could find because, you know, the wind speed is a crucial thing when you're preparing for these storms. I realize a lot of you don't care about this because you don't live where hurricanes hit. I know before I lived here, I didn't care either. And in fact, I'll tell you this, after a hurricane passes by here, I don't care anymore. It's, I mean, so I know I'm, I'm talking about things that, but see, so I have to find a way to relate it to all of you. Even though 99% of you are never going to live, well, 90% will never experience a hurricane, at least where you live. Um, you cannot escape that there has been a politicization of everything. And the politicization of weather is about climate change. And one of the aspects of climate change is more and more violent hurricanes attacking and hitting the United States. I was watching... You know, I don't. I never watch local news anymore. Don't know why. I just don't. But I did for the purposes of study, and they're reporting something that's not happening. They're talking about the surge. They're talking about the high wind here. They're talking about the there was nothing going on here. I I really I was telling everybody that I talked to about this stuff. Can you ever remember a bigger dud than this? Oh, no, no, no. Don't misunderstand. I'm not saying I was disappointed. I'm talking about dud as a forecast. Dud as not just a forecast, but as reporting on the current status of a storm. I've never seen anything like this in my entire life. And it has been a long life. It has been a very involved life. It has been a very deep life, very productive life. I've never seen, oh, I've just never seen this before. I kept waiting Sunday morning. Something's got to happen here based on this forecast. And nothing. Ah, put the shutters up for nothing. Lived in a in a in a in a you know all day long in a freaking dark room for the most for nothing. Anyway, greetings, folks. How you doing? Great to have you with us. Another three hours of broadcast excellence straight ahead. Hey, here's a headline from the Wall Street Journal. I missed this headline blaring all over the media today. Now, I know much of the Wall Street Journal is behind a paywall, but still, here's the headline. U.S. counts 
smallest daily rise in coronavirus cases in weeks. Wall Street Journal. Today. Wait, what? Does that jibe with what you think is going on out there? Updated August 3rd, 11.03 a.m. It's by David Hall. I used to work with a guy named David Hall out in Los Angeles. It's the same guy as a commie pinko. But I don't think it's the same guy. Uh, U.S. counts smallest daily rise. No, not, not, not that it would matter to anything. I'm just providing information, which is what I do here. How about this, folks? Ratings crash for the NBA for Major League Baseball after protest-filled debuts. Who was it that predicted this was going to happen? I think it was your host. Your host here of 32 years and counting on the EIB network. As the NBA and the Major League Baseball returned from their coronavirus-imposed hiatus, it appears that television viewers are not interested in what the increasingly woke leagues have to offer. With both baseball and basketball draped in all sorts of Black Lives Matter and social justice symbolism for their opening games... A substantially smaller number of fans tuned in to the rest of the week's games. The openers did okay, but after that, some of it could have been the fact that there's no fans, but I will guarantee the NBA, the NBA crashed. The NBA, you want to hear some numbers? This comes from Outkick.com. Neither neither league did uh, anything to write home about. As for the openers, OutKick reported the return of the NBA on TNT saw the following numbers. The Lakers and Clippers, 3.4 million. The Pelicans and the Jazz, 2.1 million. Major League Baseball, also, and those are, that's not, folks, that's, that, that, those may sound like a lot of numbers. That's nothing for fans who've been starved. I mean, NBA fans who've been starved of games since they were shut down in the early spring, late winter. That's nothing compared to what the average of a Lakers-Clippers game would be. Ditto Pelicans-Jazz. Major League Baseball return numbers also underwhelming. The Yankees and the Washington Nationals, 4 million. The Dodgers and the Giants, 2.8 million. That, that's nothing to write home about. Ryan Glassspiegel of the uh, of the Outkick.com website added more ratings numbers on Twitter. He said, to be fair, since I compared Major League Baseball versus the NBA on, re- on return night one, here is night two, which is July 24th. Major League Baseball, last Friday, ESPN, Mets and Braves at 4 o'clock. 922,000, not even a million viewers. Now, let me tell you something, folks. I'm here to tell you that ESPN and TNT, all the networks that are kind of, and the regional sports networks that are televising these games were expect. I could hear it in the announcers' voices. They were expecting massive numbers based on one thing, the fact the game had not been played since last season, 
that spring training had been interrupted by the coronavirus, and they assumed that Major League Baseball fans were chomping at the bit. Even though they weren't going to be allowed back in the stadia, they were going to watch on television. They couldn't wait. They were just ready to burst with excitement. And you can hear it. You know, I watched some of those games. Well, I didn't stick with the whole thing, but I tuned in because it's my job, man, to know what's going on out there. And I tuned in, and I I wanted to see what these games look like with no fans. And, of course, I studied the announcers. And, man, I I don't want to call out any specific games because I don't want to call out any specific announce crews. As you know, I don't try to make it a point here creating rivalries and ripping people by name simply on the basis of of media performance. Political is a different thing, but you could tell their excitement. Oh, the game is, oh, we've been so denied. Oh, this is the greatest day in our lives. Oh, this. You could just tell from the announcers that they thought that the fans were chomping at the bit and were numbering in the millions. Mets Braves, ESPN, this is after the opener. This is the second day, 922,000. The Brewers and the Cubs had 1 million viewers. And the Los Angeles Angels and the Oakland A's, 797,000 viewers. This is this is not enough of an audience to get advertising revenues to in any way support and make up for the loss of actual fans in stadiums buying what they buy. Tickets, concessions, souvenirs, and all of that. NBA. July 31st, night number two. You know, game number two. Celtics and Bucks, 1.3 million. Dallas Mavericks and the Houston Rockets, 1.7 million. Now, for good measure, it's been pointed out baseball can't blame the coronavirus. The virus didn't stop people from watching Brady and Tiger and Phil Mickelson and 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 uh, what's uh, Peyton Manning play golf last May. So, folks, it is clear the American people majority have no interest in watching something with BLM all over the pitcher's mound, Black Lives Matter all over the signage and ballparks. They don't want to tune in to watch a bunch of players kneeling during the American National Anthem. They just don't want to see it. And I hope the people at the NFL are watching this. I hope the people at the I doubt it because I think Twitter runs American sports now. I think Twitter and Nike are running professional sports. We know they're running the NBA, and we know that China is running the NBA. The NBA is in bed. Nike and China is who the NBA, I think, considers their loyalties to be aimed at. But I'm telling you, these ratings crashes have nothing to do with the fact there aren't any fans in the stadiums. It have nothing to do with it's It's... The American people just don't want to be preached to by a Marxist pro-communist organization while they are trying to get enthused and excited about the return of major league professional sports. 
It's not complicated to understand at all. Let me take a brief time out. As I say, there's a lot to get to today. Yeah, we have the – how about Nancy Pelosi dumping all over the scarf queen? Now, you may think that that uh, that's not a big deal, but it is. Because the Scarf Queen and Dr. Fauci have long been considered to be on Pelosi's team. Even though they're on Trump's task force, they are considered to be more closely aligned politically with the Democrats than the Republican. Pelosi is dumping all over Burks, and she's been dumping over uh, all over her for a long time in the New York Times. She was asked about dumping on the Scarf Queen in the New York Times some months ago, and she came out and she doubled down on it. And Trump got mad because he thinks that Burks started pandering to uh, to Pelosi to try to maintain curry favor with her rather than stand up for the Trump administration and the hard work it's doing on uh, coming up with a vaccine and some therapeutics. So, yeah, we'll have details of that. The Biden campaign has delayed by at least a week the naming of a vice president. You know, the, you know the two number one characteristics apparently for the Biden vice presidential pick happen to be skin color and whether or not the person has a cervix. Hi, welcome back. Rush Limbaugh, brand new week of broadcast excellence, revved and ready to go. Remember, folks. We are a three-hour program for a lot of reasons. And one of the reasons is it takes three hours to get to everything that I have uh, prepped and ready to go. And sometimes it isn't enough. So I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to give you a false teaser hook. I'm just trying to explain to you that there's a lot to do today. And we get to it as we get to it. I want to go back to last year. The Trump campaign ran an ad last year. And I hope they keep running this ad. This ad is really what this election, if you ask me, is all about. Listen to this. Soundbite number one. The broken system tells you that you're wrong. The more certain you should be that you must keep pushing ahead. Because it's the outsiders who change the world and it'll make a real and lasting difference. Nothing worth doing ever came easy. Treat the word impossible as nothing more than motivation. The future belongs to the people who follow their heart no matter what the critics say. We must always remember that we share one home and one glorious destiny. We all bleed the same red blood of patriots. We all salute the same great American flag. Our best days are yet to come. This is exactly the attitude that is needed right now. This is exactly the attitude to counter the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party, right now, folks, is a train wreck. Instead, though, it is portrayed as a tour de force. By the drive-by media, the Democrat Party is portrayed as an unstoppable freight train heading down the tracks that's just taking over everything in its path. But it isn't. It's a train wreck. Let's review the recent track record. Joe Biden is not capable of debate, much less a coherent conversation. And by the way, 
There are people who are close to Secret Service agents around the guy who claim it's getting even worse. I mean, really problematically worse. And so here come the the claims from the Biden camp. There's a column, New York Times, I think. Maybe Wall Street. There's a column. We don't need debates anymore in American politics. We don't need debates in American politics. We shouldn't even be deciding presidential races based on debates. That would not ever have been written or dared be published were it not for the fact that the Democrat nominee can't debate. Hang on. Be right back. Don't lose your place. I don't. The Democrat Party is a train wreck. Professional sports has a Marxist organization as its marketing director now. That would be Black Lives Matter. This is the most incredible thing. Joe Biden is not capable of debate, much less a coherent conversation. He happens to be the Democrat Party presidential nominee. There's a column by a female. I don't remember who I have in the stack here. New York Times or Wall Street Journal or Washington Post, doesn't matter which one, claiming we need to get rid of debates. Debates are something that a presidential election should not even be decided on. Now, I'm going to tell you, there is no way that column would be written nor published. It would not have even be conceived of were it not for the fact that a guy who can't debate is a Democrat nominee. You ever heard of such a thing? Most people, we are told, decide, or a significant percentage of people decide who they're going to vote for after the debates. Now we got the Democrat Party and the media axis saying, no, 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 no more debates. Presidential elections shouldn't be decided. This is not a this is not a political party that's on the march and is sweeping everything aside and captivating American people. This is a party that is in the middle of a derailment train wreck and doesn't know it yet. Professional sports comes under the umbrella now of the Democrat Party. This is something they've actively decided to do. And they are hyping a Marxist organization as the marketing arm of professional sports. You can't watch professional sports without seeing BLM somewhere imposed on the screen. Now Democrats are burning Bibles. They're burning Bibles in Seattle. They're burning Bibles in Portland, Oregon. They're shutting down churches. Oh, the mayor of Washington, D.C. said that none of the attendees at the John Lewis funeral would be held accountable to any of the restrictions other citizens in Washington are being held to because of the virus. You know why? Because attending the John Lewis funeral was an essential act for government people. That's right. John Lewis' funeral was an essential business, an essential activity, and none of the attendees are going to be held accountable for having violated any of the restrictions that are on the books in Washington, D.C. The Democrat Party demonized and defunded police departments. This has caused crime and murder rates in major blue American cities to skyrocket. You will not believe what what citizens are being told in some of these blue cities, like Minneapolis, when it comes if you need a cop. All of this is coming up. The Democrats and their teachers' unions 
are trying to shut down schools. And get this. Some private schools have already opened in America. Teachers unions are demanding they be shut down. They don't want any alternatives. Democrat do, Democrat education, Democrat teachers unions do not want any alternative to the public schools. And so there are some governors who are probably going to acquiesce and close private schools who have already opened, which have already opened. They are demanding the schools be shut down. That'll prevent millions of parents from returning to work, much less the damage is going to do to the young people. I mean, in-person education is necessary. You realize missing a year how crucial this is to the entire educational system, even the only upside is they're not going to be taught a bunch of Marxism, but that needs to be dealt with at the same time. Bill Clinton's been revealed the total fraud to Me Too movement. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A woman has said she saw Bill Clinton at Epstein's private island, little Dick James or whatever it is. Clinton was there. In the Me Too movement, what are they doing? Snoring away. Total, total hypocrisy. I'm telling you, folks, the Democrat Party is not this this monolith marching like a hot buttered knife through American society, melting all opposition. It isn't doing anything of the sort. Let me grab a phone call. We start quickly. John Columbia, South Carolina. Welcome to the program, sir. Great to have you with us. Hi. Rush, thank you so much. Thanks for taking the call. Happy anniversary and best wishes. I have one question I've always wanted to ask. When did you realize that the Rush Limbaugh show was more than just another uh, successful endeavor? That is, this thing is really a rocket ship. Because I know what it was for me as a charter listener. Now, wait, I'm going I'm to make sure I understand the question. What, what do you mean by more than just an ordinary success story? I, th- I assume you mean more than just an ordinary successful radio show? Yes, sir. Yes, when, it sir. Became, when, it, when it escaped the bonds of being a radio show became that plus other things? Yes, sir. Uh, just it, the phenomenon that it's become. When, when did you say, hey, this is maybe a phenomenon? Maybe oh, just... you know, I don't know, that, I, I don't know <laughs> that I ever had time to think about that. I was too busy trying to do it every day. I'm not, I'm yes, not copping out. I mean, I, I was – I really once, – once a program was over, the only thing I thought about it was the things I thought needed improvement or the things that I sure. wished that hadn't happened that I needed to fix the next day. I never sat around and said, man, this thing's getting big. Man, this thing is huge. Man, I'm really important. Man, I never sat around and did that. So I'd have to really think. But there wasn't, I know what you're asking, nevertheless. There was a time where um, I, I actually think the honest answer to your question is in Sacramento. Because this show is, it, it started in Sacramento. And uh, I had never been on a success track in my whole career before moving to Sacramento in 1984. I'd always been moderately successful, the guy that might be, could be, but I'd never stood out because I'd never been permitted to do a radio show the way I really wanted to do it. I had to conform to, you know, the programming format and all that, which everybody at any station had to do. Uh, but when when I 
I started to draw Christ. I would announce that I was going to be someplace some night, and thousands of people show up. This has never happened before. And when I when I would talk to these people, they were showing up not just because the program entertained them. They were showing up because they were so ecstatic. There was somebody finally on the radio that sounded like they thought. And I so I think the realization that the radio program was going to be more than a radio program actually began to creep in in Sacramento. And it had an, it had an effect. It had an impact on the way I did the program because uh, I, I, you know, back back in those days, I was doing so much parody, so much satire. And back then, I was all I wanted back then was to be thought of as a you know really funny, really great, really thought provoking radio program, not just a political program, but a great, great, great entertainment media program. And I found that as the program evolved and it went national, that there was less time for that because people were taking so much of it so seriously that I had to make sure that um, I, I, I didn't appear to be not taking that aspect of it seriously. I still did satire and parody, but I had to make sure that it was obvious. I couldn't do as many think pieces as I wanted to because I couldn't, I couldn't, uh... well, I'll give an example. You still there? Yes, sir. I'll give an example. Shortly after moving to New York... You know, my whole life in Sacramento, I'd been treated by to, to liberal phone callers claiming that because I had not served in the military, I had no right to talk about defense, had no right to talk about defense budget, had no right to talk about this or that. Uh, I wasn't quite. I got so fed up with that. I got so sick and tired of hearing it. One day during my in the early days of the national program, I got such a phone call. So I thought, okay, I've dealt with this every serious way I know how. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to do a little satire here. And I thought it would be obvious satire. I thought this would be perceived by people as one of the greatest ways of shutting down this absurd allegation. So I thanked the guy. I said, "You know what? I really need to thank you, sir, because um you may have a point. And I told a story about how, well, you know what? I'm not going to, if I tell the story now, people will believe it. <laughs> I'm in a, I'm kind of stuck here. If I, if I repeat this story, I guarantee you people like Media Matters will take the element out of it and say, I said it as though I admitted to something today that I have never admitted before. They will not report that I was explaining and answering a question to you. This is this is how precarious this stuff has 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 become. This is the the kind of stuff that I have to look out for, and and not not just me. But the answer to your question, I'm sorry for hyping this and getting you all interested. I'm back out of it. <laughs> but but um, it, it was it was pretty early on that I realized that if I understand you right, the program meant a lot to a lot of people, yeah. and I had to take that respectfully and very seriously. And it was a great thing that it happened, by the way. I'm not, I'm not complaining about it. And it's, it's still front and center in my mind today. If, if I could have one more minute, I, I appreciate the time. Yeah, yeah. For, for me, I, wasn't a, I was an everyday listener, but I worked. And so I had to go down to the truck and flip the tape. And, and 
And anyway, the bake sale, when people, uh, a lady called in and said, I can make T-shirts. Another guy called in and said, I own billboards on that interstate. I'll, I'll donate them. Another guy calls in and says, i got a small trucking company. I'll pick up the T-shirts and deliver them to the destination. I, I thought, wow. Well, that's undeniable. Dan's Dan's bake sale. I remembered as you're talking, we had we had the people that ran Brennan's say we'll get we'll get we're gonna bring a portable kitchen and we're gonna start making some signature Brennan's dishes. Then I had a guy call I'll put yeah. the billboards up on the interstates on the way, tell people how to get there must have been twenty different calls like that, people yeah. donating because everybody wanted to be part of it. Then the day came and there's almost ninety thousand people there. <laughs> Well, I, I appreciate the time here, Rush. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a thrill to talk to you. That's Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I, um, I, 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 I appreciate the question. Uh, and I, I, Look, folks, I'm sorry for getting all hepped up for some super-duper story, but I guarantee if I tell this story, they're going to clip the beginning and the end of it, and they're just going to report that I have made a major admission today for the first time in 33 years. It'll start a brand new controversy. It'll all be made up in lies. This is this is one of the, you know, people have said over the years, why don't you do the updates? You haven't so, so many updates. Because, folks, the satire and parody. Look at what's happening in college campuses. Comedians are afraid to go to college campuses today. Nobody on the left in the woke community has a sense of humor today. Yeah, it's one of the most frustrating aspects. Anyhow, I got to take another brief time out. Be right back and roll right on right after this. Greetings and welcome back. Rush Limbaugh on the cutting edge of societal evolution. Mike in Houston, you're next, sir. Great to have you here. Hi. Hi, Russ. I just wanted to say that we were all actually chomping at the bit for baseball to start back up again. Uh, we couldn't get past the first five minutes of the support of the of the BLM and the Marxist uh, support. So myself and many friends, we turned it off, um, and I never saw the first pitch. And I took it one step further. I, I called my, my provider and canceled my baseball package, my MLB package, because I wasn't going to sit there and watch that. Um, my question is, how does the MLB not know who their fan base is? You know, uh, this is something that I can't figure out. Uh, we played a soundbite or two from Jason Whitlock, formerly the Kansas City Scar and formerly ESPN, and he made the point that everybody in the world can find out who Black Lives Matter is because they're proud of it. All you got to do is go to their website, and there you will find that they are a proud pro-Marxist anti-American organization, and yet every professional sports league believes they're getting into bed with a civil rights organization. It's the most amazing thing. Now, why do you think that is? That's that's the million-dollar question. No, it's easy. I'll, I'll I'll tell you why. Because they get caught up in the media. They get caught up in Twitter. They're following Twitter, and the media follows Twitter. And if they do that, then they're going to think the American people think that Black Lives Matter is a civil rights organization. So it is a cheap way of marketing. Just follow where Twitter goes and tell yourself that Twitter is America. Because they're they're not this stupid. They're not this incapable of learning. 
Well, so, the people out in the streets carrying BLM signs aren't the ones sitting at home watching baseball and 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 paying for all the extra package and all that sort of thing. So, I mean, it's it's just ridiculous. It's, exactly. It's, 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 they take that route. And by the way, the people at Black Lives Matter threatening to boycott unless are the they're not going to games either. They're they, they they're they already boycotting. They're never going they're, anyway. They're, yeah, they're not going. They're, they're not sports fans to begin with. So exactly. this is it's it's it, why. Do all of these automobile manufacturers make these stupid TV commercials with polar bear following a guy driving a Prius home to give him a hug for supposedly saving the planet and saving the polar bears? It's because the people that run the car company have made the marketing decision to try to convince the public to buy their cars because they are woke on climate change. Not because their cars are cool, not because their cars are the best, but they're woke on climate change. And it's, 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 I call it the Twitter effect. And I think Twitter is responsible for destroying the media. I know that for a fact. I think Twitter is... The reason the Democrat Party is an ongoing daily train wreck. And I think Twitter, and by the way, I'm not absolving these people of responsibility. Lord knows I would never do that. But I think I think I think Twitter is 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 why Black Lives Matter and Antifa are treated as civil rights organizations because that's how they're portrayed. By the bots and the the artificial humans that literally populate Twitter. Look, I gotta go. I'm out of time. Back in a minute. The owner of the Los Angeles Clippers, former CEO of Microsoft Steve Ballmer. I got a soundbite coming up. He says it's important to keep sports going so players can speak out on Black Lives Matter. Now, is this guy a literal ignoramus? Or is that marketing? Hi, folks. Welcome back. Great to have you here, Rush Limboy, in the EIB Network, the Limboy Institute for Advanced Studies of Everything That Matter. There are no graduates and there are no degrees. You know why? The learning never stops, as it does at other institutions. But you never get out of the Limboy Institute once you are admitted. Because the learning keeps happening. Telephone number is 800-282-2882 if you want to be on the program. And the email address is at eibnet.us. I thought of an example from Sacramento that I can give you that will uh, dovetail with what I was explaining. First caller today, when did I realize this show was more than a show? That's basically what he was asking, right? When, when, when did this radio show become more than a radio show? I know what he meant by that. Um, and I had a story all ready to tell you. And I realize if I tell that story, they're going to clip the beginning, they're going to clip the end, and they're going to they're going to treat it as though I just admitted something today for the first time in 32 years. Blah 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 blah. And it'll it would not be good, even though even though it's already happened, already did it. They would recycle it if they thought they could. Here's Steve Ballmer. Now, you you folks, you tell me this guy used to be the CEO of Microsoft. He uh, cashed out, multi-billionaire, and bought the Los Angeles Clippers of the NBA. 
from the uh, from the hated Donald Sterling. Donald Sterling was the acknowledged. Well, no, he never admitted it, but they claimed he was the racist owner of the Clippers. Here's this is Balmer. This is on uh, CNBC today. This morning, the co-host said to Balmer, "I'm the biggest sports fan in the world, and happy as anybody that sports are back." In the magnitude that they are, they're not back in much magnitude, uh, Scott. Scott Wapner is the guy here. Scott, that's the whole point. They're not back with much magnitude. He said um, they're working out well for the most part. Uh, Scott, well, he said, Mr. Balmer, well, what do you say to those who suggest that our priorities are messed up here? Society wants some sense of normalcy. Society wants sports. Sports rallies people. It brings people together. Even now, particularly with the issues of Black Lives Matter and racial equity, uh, I think it's important to to actually get sport going and let let our players uh, speak out uh, on these important issues. So it's important to keep sports going so players can speak out on Black Lives Matter. Now, this is a guy because he's got a couple of billion to well. He's got more than that. Because he's got billions of dollars, he's considered to be brilliant because he's CEO of Microsoft. He's supposed to be brilliant because Bill Gates is a guy to put him there. And Gates is also brilliant. So, but how is this brilliant? We need sports so that athletes, players can continue to speak out on Black Lives Matter. I remember watching the St. Louis Rams, a game in St. Louis in the aftermath of the Ferguson, Missouri riots. And during player introductions, half of the Rams players are running onto the field with their hands up, replicating the hands up, don't shoot metaphor or mantra. That was the lying take from what happened to Michael Brown. Hands up, don't shoot, never happened. The story was that Michael Brown was innocently walking down the street on a Saturday afternoon thinking about his first week at college that was going to be coming up in a couple of months. <laughs> I know, but that's what they said he was doing. Well, he wasn't walking on the sidewalk. He was walking in the middle of the street. He had just robbed a convenience store. A, a cop came along and stopped him. And he attempted to take the cop's weapon. The story was the cop pulled over, attacked the guy, and murdered him because he was black. All the while, Michael Brown had his hands up saying, hands up, don't shoot. Never happened. But yet, here are these idiots being introduced, St. Louis Rams players. And I'm asking myself, do they really not know what happened? I said, they may not. They pay attention to the media. They probably believe the lie. So... Now we've got all the professional sports from the commissioner level, from the ownership level, in bed with Black Lives Matter, which is not a civil rights group. They are a Marxist organization. In fact, let me find something. I know I've got something here in the soundbite roster about this or I've got something somewhere in the stack that I was going through here, and it makes it makes this point. I guess it's not the audio soundbite roster, so it's got to be in the stack here. Um, I might have been thinking of the Balmer bite that you that you just heard, but literally, folks, the NFL, Major League Baseball, 
and the NBA are in bed with Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter is matter is an acknowledged, proud, not hiding it, Marxist, anti-American organization. And professional sports is in bed with it. Now, let's examine why. Well, in the case of the NBA and the NFL, they could say, well, 75 to 90 percent of our players are African-American. And if our players think that Black Lives Matter is a civil rights organization, we're not going to argue with them. And we're not going to bring them in and teach them. And we're not going to bring them in and tell them that they're wrong. We're just going to take the path of least resistance, and we're going to appear to be in bed with Black Lives Matter so our players don't strike and leave us high and dry. That's one possible explanation. Another possible explanation is that the owners know that Black Lives Matter is pro-Marxist, but they don't care. Because they believe that most of the country thinks that Black Lives Matter is a civil rights organization. And so they're not also going to teach the American people. They're not going to teach anybody anything. They're simply going to react to what they think a majority of people think. And if if they're governed by Twitter, if the NFL, if Major League Baseball, if uh, the NBA are governed by Twitter, then I will guarantee you they're going to think... That most people think Black Lives Matter is uh, an offshoot of Dr. Martin Luther King, and that's it. There's another possibility. It's that, plus they hate conservatism, plus they hate conservatives, they hate Republicans. And so no matter what else, they are not going to do anything that makes it look like they support conservatives. It's not that they hate conservatives. The dirty little secret is with the NFL that a lot of the owners are. But see, this is another one of my... They don't want anybody to know. Oh, God, no. So they'll they'll come out and they'll appear to oppose conservatism, but take a look at their political fundraisers when they do them. I mean, you got some commie, commie SOBs that own teams in the NFL, but, but a lot of them, folks, are not. But they don't want anybody to know. But it's it's absurd because Black Lives Matter is devoted to the literal destruction of America as founded. They're open about it. They're open about it. And they are seeking membership of people who are devoted to the same thing. And now they are in bed with professionals. Professional sports has made the decision to get in bed with Black Lives Matter. Now we see opening ratings, NBA, Major League Baseball, embarrassingly. not On day two, barely a million viewers of a sport, of two sports that had multi-millions Audience sizes before all of this happened. Major League Baseball last season, the NBA was getting ready for their playoffs this season when they were shut down because of the virus. So here's the thing. The truth is out there. There are two truths out there. The truth of what Black Lives Matter is and the fact that the American people don't want to watch players kneel during the national anthem. That truth is out there. It's been out there for a number of years. And what 
is professional sports continuing to do? They are continuing to promote players kneeling during the anthem. They are continuing to promote and brag about their association with Black Lives Matter. Somebody tell me how this makes any sense. Beyond avoiding player revolts. I mean, the NFL, the NBA, they can't do anything if the players don't show up, right? So if their players think that Black Lives Matter is Martin Luther King reborn, then that's what they've got to treat it as. Guarantee you that's how they would look at it. Grab soundbite number 19. Here's the coach, the coach, Mike Ditka. He was on with Jesse Waters Saturday night on Waters World. Jesse Waters said, when you were with the Chicago Bears, if anybody knelt during the anthem, what would you do? They wouldn't have played for us. It's that simple. Yeah. I would bench them. That's it. Until they found that it was honorable to respect the country, this country's given them an opportunity to become millionaires. You understand what I'm saying? You make a lot of money doing it, enjoy it, respect it, but don't act like a clown. And those values are so old now. Those values considered to be so old-fashioned. What do you mean this country made you a millionaire? We're not millionaires. It's indentured slavery. It's indentured servitude to be a professional athlete today. That's what the players will tell you. Doesn't matter how much money they make. It's the fact the owners are white and there aren't any minority owners and everything. And these guys are risking life, limb, and property in order to entertain these slave-owning white owners. That's the way they want to look at it. That's the way they look at it. So it's absent common sense, but I'll tell you what's happening out there. The American people do not doubt me are noticing all of this. I tried. I have tried to warn you people in the NFL. I have tried to warn you people at Major League Baseball. I have tried to, well, I, I've not tried to warn you people in the NBA because I know your loyalties are actually with China. That is also undisputed. How about Dianne Feinstein last week? I didn't get to this. Dianne Feinstein comes out. China is a wonderful, great, evolving nation. She had a Chicom spy as her driver for, what, 10 years. For her, her husband has gotten wealthy doing deals with the Chicoms. Here comes DiFi talking about what a wonderful... She don't want to hear anybody rip the China virus. She want to hear anybody talk about the Wuhan virus. No way, because China's a great place. Well, the NBA thinks so too, folks. Do not doubt me on this. Do not doubt me. Quick phone call, uh, Evergreen, Colorado. This is Amelia. It's great to have you here. Hello. Rush, I didn't know if I was going to be able to wait or not. And I just kept thinking of things I wanted to say. First of all, you are still saying all the things that we're thinking. I'm 85 years old. I tr- I'm trying to keep a low profile because if I bring politics up, I've got Democrats all around me. Anyway, first of all, you are keeping everybody enthused, and we love you. Second of all, 
I, uh, I love baseball. Third, I think your brother's books are absolutely wonderful. Um, How much did he pay you to call here, Amelia? <laughs> I wish I could get a hold of him to say thanks. Oh, well, he's on Twitter. I mean, you you can find him on you can find him. But look, I appreciate your comments. I know um, she's commenting on the guy, the first caller of the day today. Where want to know when did I know this program is more than a program? And I said when I when I found out that people were not just reacting to it as a great entertainment show, but when they told me that it was great to finally hear somebody in media saying what they all thought, I said, oh. Okay, that's what I knew. And then when the program went national, that was a that that you know that's something that the Democrats have not taken the time to understand why Trump uh won and they have not tried to understand the bond that Trump voters have with him. Same thing here. They just they assume that you people are idiots that you're mind-numb robots and I'm some Svengali and you're so stupid you're waiting for marching orders from me every day. That they, After 33 years, 32 years, this is what they think. They have no idea. No idea that for most of you it's the fact that when this program started in 1988 there was nobody else in national media saying the things that the people in the audience believed. And so it's it's um, it, it the, the, their ignorance has allowed me to continue to fly under the radar where that is concerned. The story that I can tell you very quickly that made me realize that I had to really be careful with satire and fair. Do you all remember the Slim Whitman satanic message bit? I think I did it once. There's something I did in Sacramento, and I might have reenacted it here. But I read a story one day that some minister in Ohio had discovered that there was a satanic message in the theme song to the Mr. Ed TV show if you played it backwards. So I said to myself, okay, how can I make this funny rather than just sit here and tell people what this Ohio minister claims he found? I mean, where does an Ohio minister find a way to play the Mr. Ed theme backwards? Why would an Ohio minister even do that? So at the time, we were running a bit on a, there was a march from California to Washington, the great global peace march. People were marching from California to Washington to get to the steps of the Defense Department, the Pentagon, and die. Replicate what would happen at the very moment a nuclear detonation happened. And I found a song by Slim Whitman as the update theme, Una Paloma Blanca, which was translated as one white dove or a white dove. So I decided to find a satanic message in Una Paloma Blanca. I'm sure many of you, if you all are familiar with this. Um, so I got, went into production studio and we found a way to play it backwards. And I got a guy to record a, a message through a harmonizer, which changes the tone of your voice, and the, the bit was that the devil was actually speaking to people through the Slim Whitman Una Paloma Blanca song. And it went through, you know, two hours of setting this up on the air and explaining it. And when it's over, I'm thinking, man, people are going to think this is the greatest thing Johnny Carson will ever. 
Well, okay, let me take a break. Well, think about it. Uh, I got to go to a break anyway here. So hang on, back here in just a second. The Slim Whitman, we've got it. I can play it, what we did. We put a satanic message in Una Paloma Blanca played backwards. And I'm thinking when it's over that people out there listening, this is the funniest thing they've ever heard. This guy is really good. We are fortunate to have this guy in our town on the radio. This is just, this is the kind of stuff you have to tune to the Tonight Show or something like that to hear. And this guy is awesome. And I'm just, I'm proud as I can be. And I can't wait for the reaction and the feedback. And during commercial break, the general manager of the radio station came in and said, how long are you going to go with this? I said, I don't know, but I think the way this is tracking right now, I could probably get three more days out of this. He said, no, you have to wrap it up. I said, why? He said, because people are calling their churches and reporting that there is satanic message in what you're doing on the radio. And you admitted that you didn't know it. So people are thinking, if you can be fooled, anybody can. And people are wanting to know what they should do. I said, wait. You mean people are calling their ministers believing this? Yes. I said, among many other things to my... I said, okay, this... This... (laughs) This changes a lot about the philosophy going forward. It was Elizabeth Drew who has the piece in the New York Times, Let's Scrap the Presidential Debates. Now, by the way, this piece is not written out of any concern that Trump will prevail over Biden in the debates. No, 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 no. No, of course not. No, no. She makes that point. This, I am not suggesting we ban debates because I don't think Biden will do well. No, no, no. I don't think that presidential races should be decided by debates. I think debates, she goes on to say that they're superficial, they're never in-depth, they're too predictable, and they are not anything people ought to be voting on. Now, I will guarantee you, folks... That if the Democrat nominee were a superb debater or even somebody is anybody other than Biden, this piece would never have been written and certainly never published. She doesn't mean this. The reason they don't want any debates is because specifically of Joe Biden and his inability to do one. And by the way, as I told you, there are rumblings that it's getting the, 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 the cognitive dissonance, the, the mental challenges are becoming even more pronounced. Okay, I'm going to play it. I have decided that I can risk this since I have set it up here probably. But I have to tell you um, just, a, just a brief prelude. I'm going to play the, the Slim Whitman satanic message in Una Paloma Blanca. You have to remember, you'll have to know, a lot of you may not have heard this. I mean, the audience here is expanding in geometric proportions. There are people listening who have not heard this. So I ask the indulgence of those of you who have. It took me easily 45 minutes to set this up. I milked it for everything. I opened the program that day in Sacramento by telling the audience that I have shaken by something that I had learned overnight. After 
reading the story of the Ohio minister who discovered a satanic message in the Mr. Ed theme uh, when played backwards. I began to be concerned as if it can happen to a minister. So what about me? And so I began playing the various musical elements of my program backwards, went to the production room, KFBK Sacramento, not expecting to find anything, but I had to do this. I had to, I had to find out if, if, if my program had been co-opted by Satan. And I'm telling people that I, it had been and that I was really on the verge of resigning because of what I had, had happened to me. I said, I'm, I, if, if my program can be as easily infiltrated by Satan as it has been, that I don't know that I should continue to be your host. I mean, I, folks, I milked it. I, I was just, for me, I thought it was over the top. What I was, I thought I was making it obvious here that the majority of people be laughing themselves silly. Well, maybe one percent. So I was doing it on the basis that it was just a great bit, and. I continued to act shaken and disturbed. And then I refused to give them the example. So that started a bunch of phone calls. You have to. You have to play it. You have to. No, I said, no, you don't want to hear this. Of course, that's just reeling them in. I said, I can't. No, 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 no. You don't understand. You've already been subjected to it. I've been using this song for months here in the Great Peace March update, the Global Peace March update. You guys have already been exposed to it. I can't knowingly do this. That would just, that would compound it. You have to, you have to. You can't do this. You can't tell us that it's there and then not play. You've got, I said, I don't think most of you are emotionally equipped to deal with this. You think you are, but I don't think so. Well, of course, that just made people want to hear it all the more. Remember, this was 45 minutes, and then the denial of service, the refusing to air it. So, as part of the bit, quote-unquote management walked into the studio and told me that because of the reaction, I had to play it. My job was on the line. I had to play this. So I said, folks, if it were up to me, I would not. But now you've heard I have been forced. I have been required. It's been required to do this. So 45 minutes and people are, well, I don't know what they're expecting, but I have an idea. So now it's time to do this under protest, under duress, apologizing in advance, telling people you may not want to listen to this if you have any doubts whatsoever about your spiritual strength. If you have any doubts, do not listen to this. Well, of course, that just expands the universe. So here here it was. Bob. Yeah. 
Yes, it's me, the old devil himself. You found me out, you little rascal, lurking right here in the Slim Whitman record grooves. By the way, where did you find a turntable that plays backwards like this? I've been trying to find these for all my disciples so they can go around corrupting the youth of America and we can't find these backward turntables anywhere except in ministers' houses. And of course, we don't like to go there very often. <laughs> Maybe you could drop me a note and let me know where to get one of these and I promise I would never forget you. Well, I gotta be quiet on down the line. Way down the line, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, see you later. Beelzebub. Yes, it's me, the old devil himself. You found me out, you little rascal, lurking right here in the Slim Whitman record grooves. By the way, where did you find a turntable that plays backwards like this? I've been trying to find these for all my disciples so they can go around corrupting the youth of America, and we can't find these backward turntables anywhere except in ministers' houses. And of course, we don't like to go there very often. <laughs> Maybe you could drop me a note and let me know where to get one of these, and I promise I would never forget you. Well, I gotta be quiet on down the line. Way down the line, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, see you later. And uh, there you have it, so... I, what what could be more obvious? So so the the phone lines are blinking like crazy, and I'm thinking, ah, this is where people are going to recognize how funny it was, how great it was. And when people started calling their ministers and saying there was a satanic message being played on KFBK, and it needs to stop, and so I said, oh no. So it, the point is that that's when I realized that there's a certain percentage of the audience that's going to believe. And see, if if I were if I hadn't been a political guy up to that, wouldn't have mattered. But I was very very serious about my ideological and political beliefs. Did not want anybody thinking those were a joke. I did not want anybody thinking they were insincere. I didn't want anybody thinking that any part of the core of my beliefs were a joke, like that was. So. It became a real delicate balance. So this guy called and said, when did you realize that this was more than a show? It was things like this that made me uh, realize I had to look at this program and the way it was impacting people in uh, ways I hadn't considered. So that is finally the conclusion of the answer to the call. Now a brief obscene profit break. We'll be back much more straight ahead. Do not go away. Okay, we'll get back to the phones here in just a second, but I got a great opportunity here to illustrate the way the left thinks things happen on this program, and it's 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 current. Uh, stand by there on audio soundbite number two and number three, and let me see if, uh, just two and three. This is a BBC Radio 4, and it happened today over in the United Kingdom. BBC Radio 4 podcast, How They Made Us Doubt Everything. Episode 6. 
And it is an unidentified actor recreating an advertisement. The host here is uh, some guy uh, talking to the Climate Investigation Center founder, Kurt Davies, about an alleged plot to challenge climate change science. Right? Now, this is BBC Radio 4. There are two sound bites to this, and here is the first one. Stop panicking. I'm here to tell you that the facts simply don't jibe with the theory that catastrophic global warming is taking place. So, folks, grab hold of yourselves and get the whole story before you make up your mind. Right now, you can get a free packet of easy-to-understand information about global warming. Just call this number, one 800 This advert you're hearing was sent to uh, the radio host Rush Limbaugh in 1991. Rush Limbaugh was the most widely listened to conservative talk show host at that time on radio stations across the country. We have the language that Rush Limbaugh read on the air. So that actor is me. Stop panicking. I'm here to tell you that the facts simply don't jive with the theory. So they're putting together this bit today, BBC4 UK. Rush Limbaugh was the most widely listened to conservative talk show host at the time on radio stations across the country. Still is. You doom coughs. Still am. Uh, I don't remember this stupid ad. I have no, I literally do not, the ad, I'll guarantee you. If the ad ran fine and dandy, but if people on this program came up with the idea that global warming was a left-wing hoax, it was because of me, not some silly, stupid ad. Because global warming, man-made global warming, is part of the Democrat left-wing Marxist agenda. I hope you people at the BBC are getting this. Because you are participating in a hoax, in a fraud. There is no man-made global warming. We don't have the ability, we don't have the power, because if we did, we could have stopped it. But we can't make sure. Nobody's saying climate change isn't happening, because it happens every day. The Earth is not static. The Earth is changing constantly. Ice age, steaming age, Sahara dust age. We have no control over it. The best we can do is adapt, which is, which is what we do. But causing it is, is intellectually absurd to believe this. But anyway, these guys, BBC4, they're very concerned here because man-made global warming is not important to a lot of people. And it doesn't poll anywhere, anywhere near where these people want it to be, one of the top five most important issues. And more and more people have fallen by the wayside and don't believe it. Now with COVID-19, they couldn't even care less about it. Here's the second part of the bite uh, where the, the host and the Climate Investigation Center founder continue discussing it all. This is written by a group calling themselves the Information Council on the Environment. It's run by the group that represents the electrical companies in America. The key line from that one is that they want to reframe the science from fact to theory. They talk about targeting lower educated white males. In 1991, 
pollsters had already clocked that what they called low-educated older white males could be swayed on climate change. They had decided that the way to reach this audience was through the new phenomenon of conservative radio hosts who were beginning to question mainstream media and liberal elites. Sound familiar? We put this to Rush Limbaugh, but at the time of broadcast, he hasn't responded. Well, that's because nobody told me that you were trying to reach me. But I wouldn't have responded to you anyway, because you people are idiots and don't have the slightest idea about this issue. And why in the world do you think I'm going to respond to a bunch of klutzes like you who want to try to convey that the problem in America from issue to issue to issue is dumb, stupid, uneducated white males? You guys are white males. What makes you not dumb and stupid? I guess you're white males. I haven't seen. But this this is, by the way, this is another great point. 1991, this is 30-some-odd years ago, 28 years ago, and that's how long white men have been blamed. Dumb, stupid white men been blamed for everything. And the reason that conservative media has been so successful is that we found a way to reach stupid white guys. It would make sense that liberals have lost them because the liberals are so smart, so elite, so intellectual. It makes sense that the liberals could not keep these people in their audiences. When in fact, you take a look, some of the biggest stupidity, some of the gigantic sophistry that's happening out there today is found in the Democrat Party and on the American left, some genuine, real stupidity. Remember, we were asking last week, if you remembered, what was the name of that movie starring Michael Douglas? Falling Down, Falling Down. The angry white male made about that time, 1991, 1992. It has been a meme, if you will. It has been a hashtag, if you will. Um... For almost 30 years, there's nothing new about it, and it is intellectually vacant as a, as a, as a realm of, of criticism. It's one of the most easy and stupid criticisms you can make, but it, it serves their purpose, because how do you indict an entire population? The stupid, uneducated white male. And then you blame him for everything, including the anger. And why is he mad? Because he's been rejected. He's been rejected by intelligent elite liberals. He's been rejected by the university and by academe. He has been rejected by a higher class of women. He has been rejected by his own children. They add all this stuff up. And this is how they tell themselves that they are failing to win politically. A brief break. Much more straight ahead. Don't go anywhere, folks. Hi, welcome back. It's Rush Limbaugh, the EIB Network, where we have more fun than a human being should be allowed to have a big, exciting broadcast hour remaining more on Biden's running mate choice, the decision, rather, being moved back uh, by at least a week Burning Bibles in Portland. Protesters now, the rioters are showing their uh, their true colors. So, and we got some great remaining audio soundbite roster. So, be patient, folks. We'll be back here before you know it. Mm-hmm. 
Right on. Right on, right on. Welcome back. Rush Limbaugh, your guiding light. Meeting and surpassing all audience expectations every day. America's real anchorman. And I don't say that lightly. You get more news on this program than you're going to find in any 30-minute drive-by television newscast. You're going to get so much more news in a half hour. You're going to get news from all different points of view. In fact, you know more about liberalism as an audience member of this program than you'll know about it if you watch them. Because they are not honest with you about it and about them and about what their objectives are. Although... They have broken new ground in that area. They've gotten so confident that they're going to win that they are kind of, they're not holding as much back. But I'm, but folks, I'm not kidding. In order to, here's what you get here that you will never get on ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, Washington Post, New York Times. When it comes time to make the conservative case on any issue, you know what you also get here? You get the liberal version of that issue or case or whatever. And I then draw the contrast. It's all part of the attempt to persuade. It's all part of the effort to inform. And it's all part of having everybody conclude on their own, not just believe because I'm the one telling you, although you can do that. You can rely on that because I will never tell you I believe something I don't believe. And I never, ever knowingly lie about something to create converts, because then what good is that? So the, but the point is, you are far more informed on liberalism than the average liberal will ever be informed on conservatism, because the American left lies about it. The American media doesn't dare tell you the truth or their audience about conservatives or conservatism. In fact, what do they do? They try to destroy conservatives. They impugn. They attempt to ruin Republicans and conservatives by lying. So it is my steadfast belief that those of you who listen to this program are some of the most well-rounded informed citizens in this country. How can you reject liberalism, I ask myself, if you don't understand it? And rejecting it is what I think people need to do in droves. And I think the Democrats are helping us. That's why I said earlier about the Democrat Party is a train wreck right now. They are in the process of a massive derailment. They are portrayed as a tour de force, as an unstoppable political movement now. Their front runner, their front their nominee, incapable of debate because he cannot engage in coherent conversation. Professional sports now has a Marxist organization as its marketing director, along with the Democrat Party. The Democrats are burning Bibles and shutting down churches. Here's the story. As they turn to burning Bibles, Portland rioters show their true colors. I think, I, I think 
a lot of America may be unaware that burning Bibles will help curb police brutality. But why, why are they doing it? I mean, this is this is a snarky reaction to it. Well, wait, what, weren't we told that the protesters in Portland and Seattle were just innocent mothers? Innocent mothers who were joining protests because they're so unhappy and so upset about what was being done to black people in America. Oh, so it's innocent mothers are now burning Bibles? They are, folks, do not doubt me. The Democrats have aligned themselves with communist China. Joe Biden long ago aligned himself with communist China and Ukraine in order that his son might emerge from those relationships wealthier. Black Lives Matter has issued a series of demands to the Democrat National Committee. You tell me this is not a party in the middle of a train wreck. Black Lives Matters. I'm sorry, Black Lives. The founder is some babe <clears throat> by the name of Patrice Cullors. She is demanding that the Democrat National Committee, i.e. the Democrat Party, make sea changes to their party platform or else. The Democrat National Committee platform must call for defunding police and must demand the abolishing of ICE. So when professional athletes kneel during the national anthem, this is what they are supporting. Whether they know it or not, they are supporting defunding the police and abolishing ICE. Marxist Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Cullors called on Democrats to make sea changes to their party platform and to adopt radical legislation that calls to defund the police force, eliminate both the Drug Enforcement Agency and Immigration and Customs Enforcement, and close all federal prisons and immigration detention centers alongside various other radical demands. Otherwise, any claims of allyship... That's their word, allyship. Any claims of being, you know, supporters of each other, any claims of solidarity with Black Lives Matter will be worthless. Because if you don't defund in your platform, if you don't call for defunding the cops, and if you don't call for getting rid of ICE, if you don't call for closing all prisons, then you are not going to get our support. Patrice Cullors stated that there is an opportunity right now to write the course of history, R-I-G-H-T, not write, W-R-I-T, but write, correct, the course of history. She warned that if they're not careful, the Democrat Party will miss its greatest opportunity to lead our country to the true American revolution. Let's move to Minneapolis now, which is, of course, the site of the death of George Floyd, murdered by leftist police. Well, leftist mayor, leftist governor, a blue state, which by definition should be a utopia. Minnesota and Minneapolis have been run by Democrats for who knows how long. 
It ought to be an economic paradise. It ought to be a racial oasis. It ought to be a leading light. Minneapolis and Minnesota, Minnesota ought to be places that show the rest of us how to do it. Why, they're totally run by Democrats. How in the world could a police force murder a black guy in a Democrat-run city? Aren't the Democrats woke? Note that this doesn't happen in Republican-led enclaves. But it seems all this police brutality and stuff's happening in all these blue states and blue cities. The Minneapolis Police Department is advising residents of the city to, quote, be prepared to give up your cell phone and purse or wallet if you are approached by robbers. And do not argue or fight with the criminal. Do as the criminal says. The robbery prevention tips were circulated by the Minneapolis Police Department and reported by the local ABC eyeball news affiliate. Channel 5 in Minnesota, Minneapolis, they advise the city is suffering an increase in robberies and carjackings, especially in the 3rd Precinct. That's the area in which George Floyd was killed and where rioters destroyed police headquarters. So, Minneapolis Police Department advising residents to give in to criminals. I have a different solution as just a guy on the radio. I would advise residents of Minneapolis to exercise their rights under the Second Amendment. And I would advise the residents of Minnesota to vote Democrats the hell out of office the next chance you get. But that's just me. I'm just a guy on the radio. No, I'm not making this up. Why would I make I just got through saying I don't make stuff up like this because I can't afford, I can lie about something like this. The Minneapolis Police Department is advising residents of the city, be prepared to give up your cell phone and purse and wallet. And do not argue or fight with the criminal, but give in. They are also advising, make sure you carry some cash so that you have some to give away when you are robbed. And by the way, as a little aside, as somebody who knows a lot of rich people, this is what they are told by their security teams. Their security teams advise them, carry cash. So that if somebody holds you up, somebody robs you, you have some cash to give them. And make it more than 20 bucks. The security teams I'm talking about advise the rich people I know to carry at least 1500 bucks in cash all the time. So that if they get held up, that's how much they have to give away. That's how to stay alive. Is your life worth 1500 bucks? Hell yes, it is. Somebody comes along and wants your wallet, got 1500 bucks. Turn it over. Well, this is what they're now advising everybody in Minnesota to do. Well, I should say, Minneapolis. Got to remember, the Minneapolis City Council unanimously approved a resolution in June to abolish the police department. So the police department has been abolished. And they're advising citizens here on how to how to proceed. So I'm telling you, folks, uh, 
this is a train wreck. The Democrat Party. Now Biden's delaying the announcement of his vice presidential choice by a week. Because every one of them has got some kind of baggage. But he's committed. He's got to choose somebody. He's got to choose a black woman who, well, he's got to choose a black person who has a cervix. Those are the two fundamental requirements that he pledged that his nominee would have. We have time to squeeze in. Yes, Harper's Ferry, West Virginia. This Missy. Missy, I'm glad you waited. Welcome to the EIB Network. Hi. Thanks for taking my call, Mr. Limbaugh. You bet. I I wanted to talk about COVID real quick. Um, Last year, according to the CDC, 2.8 million people died. That's 2.8 million people. That comes out to roughly 7,617 a day. So far, wait, wait, wait. Just to be clear, this is of anything and everything. That's the total. Correct, sir. Of anything and everything. 2.8 million people died last year of a bunch of stuff. Old age, cancer, tuberculosis, embarrassment, whatever it is. 7,617 people a day. A day. 228,000 a month based off of last year's statistics, if you break that down. All right. So far, up to date this year, based on last year's statistics, 1.6 million people have already died of things other than COVID. We are destroying everyone's livelihood and shut down the economy for 150,000 people over the course of three months. So far this year, 1.6 million people have already died. Dr. Fauci, why haven't you saved them? If you got up out of bed this morning, Mr. Limbaugh, you took a chance at dying. So far, everything you've done today has been a risk to your life. That's right. If you walk, if you walk down the steps, you risk dying from a slip and fall. If you took a shower, same thing. If you plugged anything into an electrical outlet, you risk death. If you walked across the street, you risk death. If you, if you exercise, you risk the heart attack. Oh, wait, I, I don't exercise and I don't walk across the street, so you gotta, you're going to cross those two off for me. So, throughout your normal course of the day, you risk death 2,000 times a day, minimum. We're afraid of COVID, which has a 98.3% recovery rate, unless you have one of the comorbidity issues. Are you kidding me? Should you be scared of COVID at this point, based on what you know, that 1.6 million people died so far this year of other things? Well, no, but of course everybody is because of the treatment it's getting in the media. It's the, the, the cases that are being reported are being reported as eventual deaths. And this is uh, like I shared with you last week a survey that shows uh, and, and it's it's a it was a, oh, the source of this was um, credible. I can't remember what it was, but 30 million. No, no. The average American thinks that 30 million people have died from COVID already, Missy. Nine percent. Some the, the, the average American thinks nine percent of the country has already died from COVID. Okay, can we can we change course for a second? Well, yeah. If you go to the hospital, do you know anybody who's ever passed away in the hospital? Yes. Why don't we shut them down then? If someone died there, why don't well, we? Well, I know down? that's like you know, every everybody that died yesterday probably ate carrots uh, in the preceding two months. So why don't we eliminate carrots? I mean, people that died yesterday, what percentage of them had smoked weed? 
in the preceding three weeks. Ban wheat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, look, no, I can't refute your, your statistics, and I can't refute your thinking on this. What, what, what's going And I'll tell you, there's something else. There is something else about this, folks. The people who are telling you what you have to do to shut down your business, to not send your kid back to school, to not go back to work, these are people that have not lost a paycheck during this crisis. Have you noticed? There's not a single federal worker that's been fired. Not a single one. There's... It, it, this is crucially important. The people that have not lost a paycheck are the ones telling you that you need to give up your livelihood. Shut down your business. Don't go back to your job. I got to go. We'll be back after this. Welcome back. Great to have you to EIB Network. And Rush Limbaugh, you know, some products are best described as gifts that you give to yourself. Presents that you give yourself. Bolden Branch sheets fit that description. Bolden Branch Sheets, a luxury product that you will immediately appreciate. They arrived soft. I mean, that's their claim to fame. You might be saying, come on, Rush, I've heard you talking about this. Soft sheets, what's the big deal? You get in bed, you fall asleep, and even know. You will know. I'm telling you, you'll know. That's the point. You may fall asleep faster, or you may get in bed earlier just for the feeling, the experience of it while you read or something. They arrive soft. They get softer over time. They provide a sense of luxury every night when it's time to call it a day. You still might say, Rush, come on, sheets are sheets. Well, that's just it. These aren't like any other set of sheets. That's the point. They're made with a pure organic cotton that create a fabric that defines luxury that you can spend $1,000 on at a department store, or you can find these sheets in really high-end hotel suites. Now, you won't find Bolin Branch in big department stores because that's not their business model. They sell directly to you on the Internet. They want to have a personal relationship with every customer. That's the only way they can do it. That's their business model. The price point is $160. Not a thousand, not five hundred. They are thousand dollar quality sheets for one hundred and sixty bucks. You can sleep on them for a full month. You can test this for a full month. And if for some reason you don't think they're soft, if you think it's like sleeping on cardboard or what, send them back and you'll get a full refund. Nobody does that, by the way. I mean, less than one tenth of one percent send them back. And save 50 bucks off any set when you use my name as the promo code. So your first set will actually be 110 bucks if you use my name as the offer code. So B-O-L-L-N branch.com. Two L's in there. Bolandbranch.com. That's the website. Got a lot of stuff there besides sheets as well. It's all the same luxury. Make sure to use my name as the promo code. We'll be right back. Still don't have a name. The eyebrow guy or the eye guy or it was Tim Kaine, wasn't it? And yet everybody going nuts here over who's Biden's going to pick. And admittedly, admittedly, it is a different dynamic. Here is Matt. Matt's in Warsaw, Poland. Warsaw, obviously streaming the program on the app. Great to have you on the program today, sir. How are you? 
I'm doing well, sir. It's a real honor and a pleasure to speak with you. Yeah, Thank on the you. 24-7 app here. Yes, sir. Uh, great that great yeah. usage of the app. Way to go. Oh, thank you so much. A uh, couple points real quick. I, I am a two-time Obama voter who started listening to your program regularly the day that Trump came down the escalator. And a couple things stuck out to me right away. One, it's great radio. And two, uh, you do something that most major networks don't do, which is treat the audience with respect. You tell them what you think, and you let them decide on their own. While most elites on either side tell an audience what they want them to think. And there's, I think there's a subconscious thing in the human mind. They, people aren't stupid. People can tell when they are being you know, fooled. Uh, and with you, uh, I think there's a natural thing that the listener settles in, and they know that you're speaking to them like an adult. And it's a powerful thing, and it's the one thing that I think media, they can't put their finger on with you because it's so disingenuous. Well, gosh, first thing, I have to thank you profoundly for that. That is uh... – if if you perceive that, then 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 I have succeeded beyond my wildest imagination. That is so perceptive of you because it's so exactly right. And the reason that the media doesn't see it is exactly also what you said. They think of themselves as elites, and as such, they don't think that many in their audience are all that bright, particularly the um, the conservatives or the Republicans. So they talk down to them or they insult them uh, in one way or or the other. But, no, you're, you are so right, and I'm so glad that somebody notices this. I, tr- I treat everybody in this audience as though everybody's capable of understanding what I'm talking about. Well, in order to do that, you actually have to believe that everybody is capable of understanding what you're talking about. And I think that that's a lost art in our culture, in American culture. I'm, I live here now, but I, I grew up in the States, and people don't treat each other with respect. But you have to believe that somebody is capable of understanding uh, deep points and and uh, concepts. Well, in my you case, do, it's, not, it's, it, it, it's not just that they're capable, it's that I want them to. I want them to understand it more than anything in the world I want to get through to people. Well, I think you do a great job of it. Well, I that this is this is tremendous. I I literally can't thank you enough out there, uh, Matt. That that is just cuz that's exactly it's exactly right. I treat everybody in this audience or try to with with um the utmost respect and people on the phones. Uh, the the same thing, and it's uh, just I, I appreciate I re- I really do thank you so much, Dave and Gurney, Illinois. You're next, and it's great to have you with us. Hello, sir. Hey, Rush. Uh, about an hour ago, you played a clip. It was in reference to, uh, to sports. Uh, oh yeah, that. hang on a minute. Let me grab that clip. That's Steve Ballmer. What was that? No, I got my pages sticking together here. It's. Yeah, let's play this because I, I know what you're going to say about it because I got my cheat okay. sheet here. But here's Balmer, and, and we'll, you'll react to it when it finishes. Here. Society wants some sense of normalcy. Society wants sports. Sports rallies people. It brings people together. Even now, particularly with the issues of Black Lives Matter and racial equity, 
Uh, I think it's important to to actually get sport going and let let our players uh, speak out uh, on these important issues. There we have it. So that's the owner of the Los Angeles Clippers basically saying that it's important to keep sports going so players can speak out on Black Lives Matter. In other words, so they can keep kneeling. Rush, for the, the, the first point is this. Who needs professional sports to keep America together? That is, to accept that premise is, is first of all, First of all, negating the fact of the things, the important things that do keep us together, like the founding documents, like the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. But then to go further and say that we need to have this outlet for social justice, which runs against the premise of the founding of the country. Everything that anybody's looking for as far as their personal liberties are in those founding documents. And people have so taken for granted that they have those liberties that they are willing to squander them at this point. But to put professional sports above saying that's what we need to keep us together, I am personally insulted, and every citizen of the United States should also be insulted. I think a lot are, uh, because what, what, what he really means by that is that the players, how are they supporting Black Lives Matter? They're kneeling during the national anthem. So he's saying that that needs to be able to continue. So we need to continue to provide a mechanism for players to kneel, which means we need to keep playing the anthem. We need to keep celebrating America so that the players can oppose it, or protest it. And that that's why and how we keep people together. Well, I'll tell you, with, 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 you're right. The, the way professional sports have been politicized, there is nothing about that culture anymore that is uniting. And that's a sad thing. There, there is a distinct American culture, and you're exactly right about its origins. This distinct American culture is rooted in freedom and liberty. And you're also right when you talk about how most people take it for granted. They were born to it. They don't know anything else. And they have now been taught in the last two generations of public education, they've been taught that America is not free, that America is a slave state, that America is anti-women. And the only people in America who have it all are white men. Stupid, dumbass white guys are the only people who have it all. And so this unique culture, and just ask any legal immigrant about it, and they'll tell you it's liberty and freedom. Founding documents, Declaration of Independence, inalienable rights, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Only in America, and that's true have such beliefs been codified as part of the structure of a country, the structure of a nation. Really glad you called out there, Dave. Thank you so much. Hey, uh, folks, Maryland is the first state, Maryland, first state to report stolen identities being used for bogus unemployment compensation claims during the COVID-19 time period. 
Maryland reports nearly 50,000 false claims as of the end of July, most of them without a state addresses. That's what tipped off state employees processing the claims. What do you mean, out of state? Cyber thieves are using names, addresses, other pertinent data illegally obtained in a data breach. They got access to hundreds of millions of dollars before the scam was detected. They don't care they look stupid. They don't care because they got away with it for a few weeks. That's all they needed to score a lot of money. If your name's involved, you wouldn't know about it until you got a tax notice from Maryland at the end of the year. So, how do you protect yourself from identity theft so that you don't get a surprise notice when it's too late to do anything about it? Well, the best way is identity theft protection from LifeLock. Membership is available to anybody. It's easy to activate. It's not expensive. And you can start today with just a few minutes of your time. And once that's done, LifeLock systems go to work creating a profile of you. Nobody's studying it. There's no human being watching it. Computer algorithm creates an online profile that is then constantly measured daily. And if there are any outrageous abnormalities in your online profile, that's when there is alert triggered. And that's how they find out somebody's gotten hold of your data. And that's when human beings get involved. But nobody's tracking you. Nobody studying you doesn't happen. Now, no one company can prevent all identity theft, but I'm telling you, LifeLock's by themselves. Nobody is in their league. Sign up today, LifeLock.com or 800-440-4833. Use my name, save 25% when you sign up first year. LifeLock.com or 800-440-4833. Okay, this, uh, this guy had been waiting for way too long, and I'm sorry about it. Jim in Holmesdale, Pennsylvania. Welcome, sir. I really appreciate your patience out there. Hi. Hi. Greetings from Northeast PA. I've been listening for 28 years. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. I sort of learned how to observe events of the day. And, for example, Ellen DeGeneres, her career seems to be circling the drain right now. Yeah. I don't know if I'd be a cynic to wonder if her being cited yucking it up with George W. Bush at the Cowboy Packer game last fall put her on some kind of bad list. You know, Frank, I had forgotten that that happened until I saw your call up there. And I didn't even remember that. The, the cheat sheet I have here is for you. You want to know if this happens because she sat with Bush last year, but it didn't. Yeah. It, 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 the Packer she had to explain herself. On well, but there's something else going on here. And I, what it is unique, there has, I can't recall other than when they started dumping on Weinstein. And that wasn't even like that. Everybody in the world is dumping on this babe. Other actors, other actresses, other entertainers, not not management. Other people. I've got a story here. Actor Brad Garrett and Leah Thompson have added their voices to the dozens of former staffers on The Degenerate Show who have alleged a toxic work environment. It's unheard of for Hollywood celebrities to say a bad word about this woman. It never happens. And how about the irony that, that her motto is be kind? Yes. I mean, I, 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 there's something here that we don't know. 
There's always stuff that we don't know on stories like this. And it could well be your Bush example that they just don't want to mention. But I think it's more than that. I think it's more than that. Another story, she wants to resign or retire. Oh, no, she doesn't want to retire. So, um, any anyway, it is... And, and what would normally save her, she's a lesbian, is irrelevant. Normally, that would give her an insurance policy and, and, and you know, not only a get-out-of-jail-free card, don't go anywhere near her card. So she must really be something much worse than her image is. Like, be kind. I want to play a soundbite. Thank, thanks, Jim. Uh, very quickly, I want you to listen. This is Barry Weiss. This is the former entertainment uh, 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 op-ed uh, editor, New York Times, who quit. She quit the New York Times because they've gone crazy over there. And I want you, she was on Bill Maher HBO on Friday night. And his question was, uh, you said that Twitter is not on the masthead of the New York Times, but Twitter has become its ultimate editor. What the hell do you mean by that? In order to do our job well, writers and editors, we need to have a level of bravery and thick skin and fearlessness. And when you are living in fear of an online mob, you know, all it takes is a dozen people to repeat a lie about you, that you're a racist, that you're a transphobe, that you're a bigot, for that lie to become true. And that's extremely dangerous. The reason I want you to hear that is because she is affirming what I have been telling you since Twitter began. Remember the original Stop Rush movement, the attempted boycott of advertisers? It was 10 people. We found them. We found them. We could name them. We were able to. We could, with their home addresses and where they live, we doxed them internally. And we found out that they were using bots to make themselves look like hundreds of thousands of listeners to this program. They're largely 65 years of age and older, retired college professors. There's some exceptions, but that was predominantly uh, who they are. And here she's discovered it now, that 10 or 12 people on Twitter can ruin you. Now, they failed with me because Twitter didn't make me. Anyway, one quick call before we finish up. Kate in Highland, Illinois. we got one minute. Go. Rush, this is Kate. Thank you for taking my call. You were talking about the defunding the police. In Minnesota, right. God, if we turn around and we do this, I'm a 20-year Army veteran. By God, if we do this, and, oh, yeah, just, just have money in your pocket so they can rob you, they can do it so they don't kill you. Are we nuts? Are we nuts? Well, Where is this? That's the thing. We're talking about what ought to be a utopia, Kate. We're talking about Minnesota, blue state, blue city. Democrats have run the place for a long time. And that's a great way to put it. First, they defund the cops and want to get rid of the police and ICE. And then they come along and tell you, if you get held up, give them the money. And whatever you do, do not make the criminal mad because that could result in your bodily harm. So... We liberal Democrats in solidarity and as representatives of the majority of Americans are going to get rid of the cops. And then our advice to you is to give any would-be robbers your money and make sure you carry enough to make them happy when they hold you up. That's exactly standard operating procedure now for citizens in Minneapolis. You know what I think we ought to do? Cancel the games. 
cancel baseball, cancel football games, but let the players just kneel. If that's what's going to keep America together, then you can stop the spread of COVID, but let them kneel like six feet apart from each other. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 